We acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which company has been recorded, the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation. We respect their continuing culture and the past and present contributions they have made to this region. Sovereignty was never ceded. You're listening to Company, the podcast connecting Australian artists, where we talk all things professional, personal and spiritual. Joining you as always are your hosts, Georgia Kennedy and Tiana Catalano. Hey everyone, how are you going? Very, very good to be back with another episode, uh, this time in lockdown again. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to be back on this one and get to chat with Tiana to a wonderful woman, Natasha Crane. Yes, we were so excited to talk to Natasha. She's been on our radar for a little bit and with all of the lockdowns happening across Australia at the moment, we thought it would be really nice to get someone of her expertise being a performer and choreographer, but now a life coach and emotional healer to kind of talk about the industry in a really different way to what we're exposed to normally and kind of have a bit more of an emphasis on self-growth and actually caring about our mental health and physical health to Mm -hmm. then, you know, uh, make our art healthy and whole, (laughs) I guess you could say. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, It's super important, the work that she's doing and really exciting. I've never seen... Um, a, a life coach incorporating their expertise in dance um, and do workshops like emotional healing through dance and, and releasing trauma through your body. So it's really, yeah, it's really groundbreaking stuff, I actually think, for the performing arts industry. So we were super keen to have this chat um, and we're super keen for you to hear it. But before that, it's time for Riff of the Week. <laughs> oh, were you waiting for me to say it? <laughs> No, no. All right, I'll start us off. Um, I I don't know. I was a bit torn what to talk about this week because I feel like I could talk about the artist way like every week because the um, chapters are all so different. But just short and sweet, I'm loving it and. Because Adelaide has been doing well, we're actually out of a lockdown, which has been awesome. And I had the opportunity to go to the Van Gogh live experience yesterday, actually. And I'm not really like one of those people that goes to a gallery and just looks at art. Like, I I don't know. I feel like I really appreciate it. I think it's gorgeous. But I just... I don't know, anytime that anyone's been like, yeah, I just like went and walked around the gallery for a few hours. I'm just like, how? Because I would just walk past each one and be like, that's nice. Oh, yeah, that's nice. But going to the Van Gogh experience, because it's like a whole heap of projections, music, um, visual effects, and also Van Gogh's um, journal entries being projected onto like a screen in the middle of all of it. I was so drawn in and I think it just for someone who's more of like a kinesthetic learner and just a bit more like hands-on it really grabbed my attention and I felt like I could really see all the detail and understand the art a bit better being in an experience like that so I'm not sure if it's traveling around Australia 
or when, but if you're in Adelaide, go see it. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's just an hour of your time to really, you know, be exposed to Van Gogh if you haven't learnt about him before. And yeah, really cool. I really loved it. Nice. Uh, my riff, I'm going to put a trigger warning actually for um, sexual abuse. So if that's something that you don't want to hear about, we can put a timestamp for when you can skip over this riff. Um, but I watched Athlete A on Netflix Um last week I think and it's a really really important documentary um, about uh, the U.S. Olympics gymnastics team U.S. Olympic gymnastics team um, and the history of the gymnastics team uh, it's about this uh, man called uh, Larry Nassar who was a doctor on the team and he was um, sexually assaulting uh, girls and women um, on the team uh, not just on the team, actually, uh, a lot of gymnasts over a span of, of decades. Um, but it just really talks to the culture of gymnastics and how uh, sexual abuse can be so easily swept under the rug um, because of, of people in power. Um, it was really interesting to see that power dynamic and how nothing was done for years and years and years um, until a few women said enough is enough and felt brave enough to put their faces forward and um, talk about the abuse that they had endured. Um, It's a really important documentary. I don't think it's really shown in a really uh, emotionally heavy way. I mean, by the end I was sobbing my eyes out, but it really focuses on how brave these women were and how they were all fighters and how they all worked together to bring justice. Um, So it was really, really powerful. And I just, I finished the documentary feeling really angry, but also really inspired by these, these women, um, the courage of these women. So I'd really recommend watching Athlete A if you're in the right uh, frame of mind. Um, it's a really, really important watch, actually. I think I think everyone should watch it um, if it feels safe for them to do so. So, yeah, Athlete A is on Netflix. Give it a watch if you can. Love it. Natasha has enjoyed a successful career spanning 10 years as an international choreographer and performer with a wide variety of experiences to draw from. With a diploma in performing arts, Natasha became increasingly aware of the need for mental health support for aspiring artists and was drawn to become a certified life coach and emotional healer. Since training to become a life coach, Natasha has found a deeper purpose and role to play in this industry. She has now individually mentored over 100 people and delivered group masterclasses and sessions with many young aspiring artists. Natasha's passion and purpose is to help artists uncover a stronger sense of self-empowerment to take with them on their journey. Beautiful. Hi, Natasha. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on to Company. You're welcome. It sounds like um, it sounds like a great thing to be a part of, so thank you for having me. No, of course. We, yeah, we've loved watching your work on Instagram and stuff and we thought, why not, while we're all kind of bunked in at home, let's take the opportunity. Uh, the first question we'd like to ask is, do you have any arts recommendations? So it could be a book, TV series, any music that you're really into at the moment? Mm, it's, a, it's a classic and it's an old one, but The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Mm. 
is uh, something that I got a lot of benefit from when I was younger and doing my best to find myself and my voice and all of that kind of thing. And there's some fantastic exercises in that book that you can do that I find really help you tap into your creativity and a more authentic version of yourself. Uh, That would be definitely my number one um, recommendation at the moment. Yes, Mm. I'm actually doing it. I'm in week six. Oh, amazing. Yeah, Yeah, because I've done it, uh, I think, two or three times I've tried to start it and never really, you know, followed through. But because of, you know, everything happening at the moment, I was like, no, now's the time I'm going to actually do it properly and I'm loving Mm. it. Like I just, yeah, some of it's like not confronting but just Mm. a lot of like, you know, proper inward looking stuff and you're like oh okay that makes sense (laughs) but I love it it's really exciting I totally agree amazing and another question we love to ask is what experience has changed or moved you as an artist is there something you've seen or something that you've been a part of that that has really changed you there's a there's a movie that I that I absolutely loved when I saw it it's called Crash I don't know if you guys have seen it. I've heard but, of um, it. Yeah. It's so great because it's showing all of these different people in different parts of America, like different races, different cultures, different religions, different backgrounds. And it starts off with all of their individual stories and there's all of this conflict and um, judgment and things about other people. And then the story progresses in a way that it ends up that they all end up being in contact with each other and all of their judgments and you know negative assumptions about the other people they have to overcome them because that person ends up saving one of them in a car crash and then the other person ends up being the person that saves them from doing something else and it's really mm. an amazing story and an amazing movie that shows um how everybody's you know connected and related and I just think the message behind it and the way that it came together was so um, powerful for me when I watched it. It just, yeah, really shifted me um, seeing that that movie and that story play out. Mm, yeah. I've, and that sounds beautiful. Yeah, I've seen it. We studied it in school actually and I felt the same uh, thing. Like it was just like, wow, people are so complex, especially when you're a student you're kind of like naive in a way and then you go, wow, that was yeah, it just sat with you for like days. Love that film. It's really good. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Yeah. And our last little question is a little fun one. Uh, we love to know if you know, if you have any mishap stories. So times when you may have been performing and things have gone wrong, but it's, you know, maybe ended up for the best or been the most embarrassing thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so the one that comes to mind is quite embarrassing. I was um, doing a quick change into a dance costume and I was wearing stockings that were black and they weren't completely solid. You know, you could see through them a little bit. So normally, you know, you would put briefs over the top and I forgot to put my briefs on over the top and I was wearing a dress and I did a like a leg spread to the front of the audience (laughs) and you just see on the video these two white butt cheeks just like glowing (laughs) for the audience to see so um yeah I'm not sure if that worked out for good or bad probably good in terms of having a funny story to tell but um highly embarrassing very very embarrassing But, uh, yeah, that would be one of my mishaps. Oh, my gosh. Did you know before you did it that you had forgotten your briefs or was it after and then you were like, oh, my gosh? 
yeah oh, had God. had no idea got off stage I was like wow that was really good like I did it I felt really good with that one you know and then <laughs> uh it wasn't until later when people in the audience were like um did you forget something I was like, what do you mean and then I saw the replay and I was like oh my god oh that's kind of I mean I guess at least you were oblivious on stage right like you, you still went full ham you know <laughs> you didn't find out till afterwards yeah oh my gosh okay that's iconic I, ha- I haven't heard a story quite like that that's so good <laughs> so um tell us a bit about Natasha Crane creations and and how you transitioned from being a performer to a choreographer and, and now have a career, a career in coaching and teaching. Mm, okay, so it's quite a, quite a story. Um, mm. So, yeah, I started off, you know, like most people fresh out of college and, um, yeah, got an agent and got lots of amazing work, which was great, and I was very grateful and fortunate for that. And during that process, a lot of my a lot of my colleagues and friends who I trained with, I saw them really like struggling with different aspects of our industry, whether that be, you know, body image stuff and seeing some friends get eating disorders and, you know, other people who I looked at in my class and was like, wow, so talented, you know, if anyone's going to go anywhere, it's going to be you. And then seeing the realities of the real world and the business side of things um, really sort of have an effect on them that was quite negative and quite hampering to their to their progress and I you know realized after you know a few maybe four years in that it was pretty brutal um you know being predominantly dance as well um yeah it was it was pretty brutal to people's mind state and mental health and well-being and if you weren't really strong and resilient and had a really strong sense of self um you know it, it was quite damaging for a lot of people and I my best friend at the time um really particularly struggled with it and you know got an eating disorder and everything and I really wanted to be able to help her but I did I didn't know how you know I didn't have the tools I knew I knew how to get myself through everything but I I wasn't able to help other people um so that that's actually what inspired me to go and learn uh to become a life coach and so I did that um that was really a big turning point for me. I found a new sense of purpose in what I was doing. You know, I've always loved the arts and I've always loved dancing. I've always loved choreography and everything like that. But when I realized I had a deeper purpose within it, that was what made me feel like, oh, okay, like this is my path in this actually. Um, You know, I, yeah, I was like, okay, right, right. I know it's super clear. This is what I need to do. So I stayed involved, you know, still teaching and choreographing for a while with the coaching um, and combining it. So I started doing dance classes that combine self-development and things like that and got really into teaching in a new way and, you know, trying to educate people as they were studying um, with this kind of resilience and this mindset stuff that I felt was so crucial to remaining healthy after your training, you know, when you're moving into the industry. And so I've really loved doing that. Um, It's only actually last year, the end of last year was my time when I was like, okay, I'm actually done with the choreography totally now. I'm actually done with the dancing totally now. And I just do, you know, coaching, emotional healing, meditation, you know, conscious dance, like dance for healing purposes rather than dance for performing purposes. And um, yeah, I just find that 
it's it's the thing I love doing the most and I think it's the the skills that I best use to help others the most now as well you know there's so many people who can choreograph there's so many people who can teach dancing um you know I can do that and I can do that well but ultimately I don't think it's the best thing I have to offer people anymore I think this is you know much more valuable especially in this time you know when everything's so uncertain and you know people believe that their value and you know everything is tied up in external achievements a lot of the time you know oh I'm only successful Mm -hmm. once I get this job and I'm only going to make it once I do this and you know at the moment especially well none of those things are happening or a lot of those things are not happening and so you know I'm trying my best to re-educate people that it's not about the external things only you know external things are surely a part of it but really it has to come from within first and once you find that then you know, I find you're more successful with the external things because you've found a solid base within yourself that's non-deterrable by those external things. And, you know, there's less fear around getting rejected because you know it actually isn't a reflection of you at a deeper level. And so it gives you a bit more freedom to just, like, go for it um, and ironically achieve more sometimes because there's yeah. a lot less fear in the way. So, yeah, that's sort of um, a, a brief summary I guess of how and why Mm, that's that's so beautiful I I love the idea as well of having sort of a a softer more empathetic uh approach to dance um Mm. I think as a performer and and training as a performer within the dance world it it can it can become less about the love of dance and it can become this really rigid thing that's right or wrong yes or no and there's not really much room for freedom of of movement and and thought um so that's really beautiful that feeling of taking that lighter and more empathetic approach to dance and wow what important work that is we, we need more people like you in this industry I, I've, mm. I've I've never really heard of of this approach where you're wanting to sort of join dance and life coaching and meditation yeah that's really beautiful mm. Mm. but it seems so mm. like obvious in a way because well I don't know for me at least when I think of dance like if I'm ever going through a really hard time emotionally and just my brain's so foggy as soon as I do a dance class I'm like oh I feel I feel clarity and I feel like whatever was like holding itself inside was able to like come out so hearing that I'm like oh yeah duh like in a way I feel like a lot of us dancers would get that kind of um, feeling in the right kind of circumstance and right kind of class or you know whatever so it's so cool it's really awesome that just makes yeah, me so happy yeah, yeah. I mean Thanks. the body the body keeps the score I that's I mean I'm sure you've read that book um, but yeah we hold so much trauma within our, our bodies and so it's so important to release that in one way shape or form and I think singing dancing and acting becomes this really rigid thing in drama school and then we need to find ways to unlearn that when we leave and and go back to where we love doing it um at its core when we were younger and then bring that into our adult life yeah for sure amazing yeah it's that it's that fine line between 
you know, I think why we all started doing all this stuff was for the, I guess, more pure organic reasons of joy and mm. release, because that's why we loved it. We didn't know why we loved it when we were, you know, nine or 10 or whatever, dancing around. And then, you know, we learn all of these tools, techniques, blah, 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 blah. And it becomes like that. And we lose that joy that originally brought us to it. And it stops being that sense of relief because there's all this external pressure of I've got to do this right and I've got to do this right. And then I've got to get a job with this. And we uh, find most of us or a lot of us disconnect through our training to our original and most important purpose for actually, you know, doing it in the first place. Yeah, mm. 100%. And going on that, like what – um, Georgia and I had a chat about like what things have changed in the dance world and I'd love to hear what you've really noticed and for us we kind of talked about how there's different influences now from social media and now these dance competitions like um, get the beat and how there's more of like an emphasis on being able to do tricks and put them into solos and that's kind of the mm. you know um, thing that you aim for so what have you noticed and what do you think of that will affect in the dance world for the future and affect the mm. artistry of dance? Mm. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's a big one. I, th- I think in general, dance has become a lot more presentational in so many ways. Um, the tricks at the Estedford's being one of those things, but then Instagram and feeling the need to post things and present in a certain way is another thing. And it's so much about how it looks and how it presents and people I find are forgetting the value of the process of learning and training and you know that isn't glorified anymore almost it's all about just I've got to look like this by now and I've got to look like this by now it doesn't matter how I get there it doesn't matter if I'm hurting my body it doesn't matter if I'm you know starving myself to get that image to look like that it doesn't matter if you know it's all about like presenting and I I just um that makes me a bit sad because um, not it's not about presenting you know um yeah the tricks and stuff I can't do any tricks I mean I can do a cartwheel that's about it yeah. um <laughs> same <laughs> and you know I managed to have a successful career without any tricks so um that's good but yeah I you know tricks have their place and they're definitely you know amazing but I think it's all about intention you know when you're performing any piece of art it's about intention it's a well hopefully it's about intention and it's about conveying something to the audience and it's about telling a story and having the audience connect with that story and shifting the audience and you know tricks can help do that when they're done with intention to support a storyline or something but so often they're not done in that way, especially in those competitions. It's literally like, look what I can do. Um, let me show off and do my 40 fortes into a backflip landing in a split on one toe, you know. Um, <laughs> and that's great. You know, I'm very impressed and can't, I wouldn't be able to do that. So all props to you. But, you know, I, I feel like that's more gymnastics. It's not really dance, you know. Mm. And dance is you know, about artistry and expression, uh, from my opinion, should be more about artistry and expression than than showing off tricks, you know? Yeah. Mm. And I it's, also, it's part of it, but, yeah. yeah, too much. I often wonder, like, I, you know, when you grow up dancing, like, obviously you dance with, like, a group of people and a lot of the people that I danced with have stopped it. Like, they don't dance anymore. And I often wonder mm-hmm. if there wasn't such an emphasis on competitions 
and mm. getting that great routine with all the, you know, little bits and tricks and whatever to win that they may have continued with dance because I think especially when you get to a certain age and you're expected to have all of these certain techniques and abilities, it less becomes about dancing with the heart and the enjoyment of going to class and being around people and connecting and working towards something that's self-fulfilling and just turns into did you win, did you not? Well, if you didn't, then you're not good enough and why are you doing it? You know, so it's I just – totally now that I'm older I go oh wow I if I had it the other way I probably would have gone to a school that didn't have competitions because I think the focus is like taken the wrong way I don't know but oh 100% I mean can we even just talk about the idea that dance is competitive like it's an art you know we don't compare you know the world's best sculptors and put them in a competition you know it's art art is subjective and it's meant to be subjective, you know. It's meant to be affect different people differently and some people are going to love some of it and some people are going to hate some of it. But it's not to be put in a competition and say this is better and this is worse. Like that is just absurd to me. I, mm. I don't even understand, you know, ugh. I mean I understand why it happens because it's just that general, you know, societal thing of achievement and validation and competition and I've got to keep driving and I've got to keep being the best and you know I'm afraid if I don't keep pushing myself from fear of losing that I won't keep progressing so let's put these like pedestals and achievements and goals at the end so that everybody keeps working towards it because if we don't have the goals and we don't have the you win then oh maybe our students won't want to keep working hard you know so it's like all that driving through fear I think is it's perpetuated a lot of that in the competition world and you know it's like it starts there but then those people who have been brought up that way become the teachers at the colleges and so then that goes through the college and then the people who get trained at the college get trained that way so then they continue that out in the in the industry sometimes and it's just this never-ending cycle that started with this mentality that I think is really unhealthy and doesn't have a place in dance you know maybe in maths sure two plus two is four and that is the correct answer but Mm. and two plus two is not five so yes you Mm. know sure have a maths competition but not an arts competition (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely and that comes back to me I mean as well with sort of tying it in with singing and acting and the collective sort of feeling of wanting to perform. Mm. If we don't speak to our inner child and the joy and the hobby in inverted commas that it was when we were a child, mm. I think we, a lot of people end up presenting it or, or just leaving it because mm. the joy is gone and, and the hobby aspect of it is gone. Um, mm. And I mean, it's interesting. I, I always feel quite sort of miffed off if ever, anyone goes, oh, like, you know, performance is a hobby and, and what you do is a hobby. It's, it's not a, mm. a real job. But, you know, in, in talking with you, I think sort of changing your perspective and going, there is there needs to be room for joy in performance mm. and just doing it because you truly, truly love it. And I think we all say that, that we perform because we love it. Um but there are all these other things, as you say, these goalposts, these successes that we need to have mm-hmm. that can often get in the way of the love and we really needed to tap into that, like truly, truly tap into that. 
and not to say, oh, I do it because I love it. And rah, rah. Um, but yeah, tapping into why we really do it is so is so important, and you've really put that so eloquently. Um, mm. Yeah, makes a lot of sense that we need to get out of that mindset of having it be competitive in in every way. That there's singing a steadfast, there's acting a steadfast actually now too when we're younger. Um, yeah doesn't make sense and I mean there's still a way to do that you know I still think it's valuable highly valuable to give people a performance opportunity where other people get to see them that they wouldn't normally see you know other studios Mm -hmm. other peer members other creatives I think it's really inspiring sometimes to go and see what other people are doing I think the the congregation still needs to happen but it's just we don't need to give a first and a second and a third, you know, we can, Mm. there's surely there's another way we can do this. Like, you know, maybe there's four people on the panel and, and they talk about, you know, something that was very creative. They talk about something that was very, you know, well-designed. They talk about something that was well choreographed and why, and it's just a conversation and sharing ideas, you know, rather than needing to place people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what you said about, congregation like community is so Mm. important for a lot of artists like this is that going to a theater is church for Mm. a lot of people um Mm. and congregating with other artists is church Mm. um in our own way you know so absolutely I still think that's really important and to foster that when you're younger as well but yeah absolutely having a different framework for Mm. it yeah 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 another question we wanted to ask you is So sort of getting into the nitty gritty of what you're doing now and how you're pairing emotional healing and life coaching with physical movement, is this something that has been done before or is it your sort of own specific practice that you have made with your expertise as a a dancer and a choreographer? Um, I feel like there's definitely elements of all of it that have been done before that I've probably drawn from, from my influences. Uh, I feel like I've, I've put it together in a new way that I I haven't been exposed to before. Um, You know, things like I, I do a how to learn choreography class and I break down the different learning methods, you know, audio, kinesthetic and visual and explain to people, you know, a lot of the time we're stronger in one of those ways or another. And so then I do certain exercises that, help test those areas that's just a visual exercise and just remembering shapes and then just an audio exercise and then just a kinesthetic exercise which is about feeling your body and remember where it was and remember how it was feeling so people can understand you know when we're in that environment and we're learning to pick up choreography there's many different channels the information's going through and if all of those channels are working well you're going to be able to pick up and remember that choreography really easily Whereas if you're only operating on one dominantly and the other two aren't working, it's, you know, your body won't remember it or you won't remember the music or the timing or, you know, you'll get the timing and the music, but your shapes will be all wrong because you're not using your visual to pick that up. So, yeah, I I definitely have taken inspiration from lots of different things. Um, some things I just do that are, you know, the same as what other people do and, some things I do and I bring it to dance in a way that I think is new. I haven't seen anyone else do it before. It doesn't mean that it's not being done somewhere else, but um, a lot of the things are things that I've gone, okay, so this was my experience. This is how it felt for me. I now have this knowledge. How do I take this knowledge and apply it to that process? Um, 
and yeah, so I've, I've done a lot of different classes where I've played around with different ways of learning and um, yeah, I've got some great feedback from lots of my students on the effectiveness of it and um, tools that they take into auditions and all sorts of things. So yeah, it's, it's cool. It's creative, you know? <laughs> yeah. And do you think that um, this kind of um, coaching has benefits for people who haven't necessarily done dance before? So just exploring like even emotional healing through physical movement, is that accessible and mm. beneficial to people who haven't done it before? Yeah, that's where I'm, I'm more and more moving in that direction now where I'm bringing together classes that aren't based on already having dance experience or understanding. And it's more about just accessing the body. And like you said, the body keeps score and f helping people find a way to move freely and express um, that isn't dependent on, on having previous dance experience. In fact, I usually find with some of the emotional healing and dance stuff, the dancers have trouble with it because they're so used to dancing in a structured trained way that for them to like physically let go and do something that's technically wrong or ugly um there's a bit of resistance there for them and people who mm -hmm. haven't danced before are more ready to just like ah, you know let it go yeah. and let it come out so yeah I'm, I'm moving more and more into the direction where it doesn't um, require any sort of dance background at all it's more about the healing process and connecting mm. that with the body I saw on your Instagram that you did uh, you do retreats and you did a yes. retreat at the start of the year and I just looked at videos of you like dancing around a fire and doing sound healing and oh it just looked amazing I was like sign me up <laughs> um so can you talk a little bit about that um retreat as as well and what yeah. Goes into what you do. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, so I, I did it with a friend of mine, Alicia. Um, and yeah, we called it Free Your Mind. And it was really amazing. There was lots of different people there, you know, some young people who were artists, some older people who weren't at all, um, some some mums. Like it was a really interesting combination of people. Um, and we just wanted to create an experience where people could shut off from their sort of everyday lives. We encourage people to get off their phones and, you know, it's like that opportunity to go in. Um, and so often we're so distracted by all the things we need to be doing that we, we neglect ourselves and we ignore ourselves and we don't listen to ourselves and pay attention to how we're really feeling or do any of that deep self-reflection, you know, kind of work. So we really ultimately wanted to create a safe space for people to do that uh, together. So we combined in yoga and sound healing and yeah, we had a cacao uh, dance party by the fire. And um, <laughs> yeah, I, I did like an emotional trigger healing session and I gave everybody a worksheet that they can use on themselves when they're feeling emotionally triggered so that they, when they have feel those emotions come up, they've at least got a tool to go to, you know, and be like, right, okay, just, go through the questions on the paper, answer the questions. And it just gives people a framework so they can start doing their own work, um, which I think is really important. You know, it's, I tried my best with my work not to make people reliant on having me still there, but helping them understand how to do it on their own. Because ultimately we all know how to do all of this stuff. You know, we all know mm -hmm. how to heal ourselves. We all know it's just been forgotten. And um, yeah, I guess my goal with the retreat and, 
you know, a lot of my work is to help people understand they can actually do that themselves, you know, and giving them the tools to help them on that path. So they're able to do that for themselves and others in their lives, you know, their kids or their, or their friends or, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Incredible. No, that's so important. I, I would love a sort of framework for what you're saying within the industry like I mean even going into work as a musical theatre performer and just sort of like having a day where um you can look at everything that you're saying and and seeing how you can put that into practice sort of before you go on on stage every night or put it into practice when you've done like a really traumatic scene on stage and and you just find Mm. ways to just let it go and leave the theatre yeah um yeah that sounds like really really super important work and I'd love to see it incorporated more holistically within the performing arts world for sure yeah well I think this is part of the thing um, that's challenging for artists is you know we we get taught how to tap into those states to access it for a performance and a lot of the time Mm. we don't get taught how to tap out and so you're constantly you're then walking around as that you know drug addict for the rest of the day and you can't shake those thoughts and those feelings that you've tapped into because you're not educated properly on what that is and how to clear that and um yeah I think it's important in that sense 100% but the Mm. other thing is the more you get to know and understand yourself as a human the bigger palette you have to play a character you know if you have never accessed your deepest darkest fear then when you get asked to play a character that's in that place you're, you don't know because you haven't experienced it within yourself so um there's that double edge to it I think a lot of my clients who start doing the emotional healing a lot of them don't want to do it at first they're like no no no, I don't want to do it you know I just I just want to I just want you to help me but I just don't want to have to do that and I'm like well you know if you're an actor and you're a performer and you want to be able to play any part or you want to be able to play a part with as much breadth as possible then you need to find this in yourself and experience that because then you're going to be able to bring it to the character in a much more authentic and powerful way um and feel safe doing it because you've done it on your own privately first you know and you know how to get it into it and you know how to get out of it and you know it's not ultimately you and it's not real it's a part of you that you can access that you can feel that you can heal that you can shift um and so then when you go on stage you're like boom here we go here's the you know the dark desperate drug lord who's going to control the world no problem I can be that you know I know Mm -hmm. that's in there that's fine it's not all Mm -hmm. of me it's just part of me and I can I can bring that out yeah. Yeah. And I think that kind of um <clears throat> sorry my throat. Uh that kind of deep diving into your own being is only going to mm. um enhance your connection with other people because then you start to go, "Oh, well, oh. there are these parts of myself that I either didn't want to know I had or didn't know I had, and now I can mm-hmm. understand why people think do the things that they do." And you look at characters a different way and you go, "I can understand mm. why this character thought this was the best thing to do in that moment even though it may be horrible, it may be seen as evil mm-hmm. or anything like that." And then you can really truly portray that character. I think that's so important. So, we could keep talking about this for ages. It's been so fascinating to talk to you. Um but some questions we love to ask sort of wrapping it up is um, what brings you the most joy as an artist? Mm. At the moment, freestyle dancing in the kitchen while I'm cooking. 
stunning. <laughs> Seriously, that's it. It's like it just your music comes on and just like feeling it and, and doing it and it's not for anybody else. It's just for the pure joy of doing it. It's not um, to, you know, perform or anything. It's literally just me like accessing my joy and expressing myself with no one around while I cook lunch. <laughs> Sounds yeah. so silly, but that's it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love that. No, that's so beautiful. I've actually tried to start incorporating that in my day. I, I'm a big, like, I love a good morning routine and that routine. And in the mornings, I'm like, put on a song and just dance around and yeah. just be silly and yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. And I've been, I've been loving it. It's such a nice endorphin hit. And I feel like I'm ready for the day. I'm powered. I've danced around my apartment looking yeah. silly. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. That's so much fun. I'm down with that too. Yeah. And I've, <laughs> actually found through doing the artist way you there's like a I can't remember what week it was but it was like what is something that you did as a child that you really enjoyed um and I was like mm. in my room making up dance routines for myself and then <laughs> yeah. I like and then another question was like what is something that you love doing but you haven't done in a long time and I was like go to a nightclub and have a really good dance and I was like oh they're the same except because I'm an adult, I feel like I need to drink to get to the point where I can freestyle dance however the hell I want at a nightclub <laughs> rather than just do it in my own home whenever I feel like it. And I was like, wow, that's so weird, but it makes total sense. And I'm like, I need to do that, but I don't want to drink. I just want to do it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. We don't need those permission slips, you know, like we can just give ourselves the permission slip. <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. And I mean, this is a big question, but if you could give any advice to your younger self or a young performer, knowing what you know now, what would it be? Hmm. Oh, it is a big question. <laughs> I think I think my advice to my younger self would be you know innately always what you're doing and why trust in the process trust in the journey you are good enough always always have been always will be and follow your joy That would be, Beautiful. that would be it. And I love you. And I love Aww. you so much. <laughs> yeah. 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 Gorgeous. And what are you excited for in the future of the industry? And what would you like to see change? Oh, wow. Okay. This is a big one. Um, there's a lot of things I'd like to see change a lot. Um, a lot of it is financial and business, the business side of it. I feel like I would like to see artists uh, have a more beneficial, reciprocal relationship with their career. You know, I find a lot of the time so many people feel like they put so much into it and get so little back. And while that, um, you know, you don't want to be getting it back from a validation point of view, there's still a day-to-day -day life, you know, I need money to buy groceries point of view. Um, that I feel is not really matched with what we're actually giving and the value we're actually giving. And, you know, I, I don't know how that's going to change. I think it will be, a, it has to be a big shift, you know, across 
humanity in general where we start to see what's actually really valuable and that would be a big change that would be a huge change and I would love to see that happen but you know you look at times like this when you know COVID happens and everyone's at home with restrictions and what are people doing they're watching Netflix they're turning to art they're watching artists Mm -hmm. they're you know there's huge value in what we do and especially in Australia, you know, sport and drinking is valued. And I go, okay, well, that's cool. And I'm sure it provides some value. But the way that artists are not as supported um, in these times, but also just in general when we're back doing our thing, you know, Mm. and how much money we get paid for all the work we do. You know, you think about (laughs) you got to everything you put in your mouth becomes part of your product you know the way you're able to tap into your emotions becomes part of your product all of your life experiences become part of your product uh like the the body care the voice care the like it's it's huge you know it's huge and um I would love to see that change I would love to see people understand um the greater value in that And I'd love to see artists, more importantly, which I think is where it needs to start, understand the value that they have. Because until artists stop accepting less than what they're worth, nothing will change. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. Well, Natasha, thank you so much for talking to us today. It's been an absolute joy. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It was great questions and I love chatting to you guys too. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. We loved that chat with Natasha and it's given me a lot to think about, especially with um, a dance background, like just recognizing the joy that you get from dance when you're in the right environment and doing it for the right reasons. And that as people, we want to dance. We love music. It's something that viscerally gives us joy. So I'm excited to kind of think about those things that Natasha said and have a dance in the kitchen like you said Georgia oh no was mm-hmm. that Natasha you said that you both do it I don't know yeah we both but do it. I need to have a fun dance um soon for sure yeah absolutely I think what I got out of that convo was um just making space to be more kind to myself as a performer I think we so often are perfectionists and are taught to be perfectionists but um even if you're a performer and it's what you do for your job and for auditions it's okay to just do it for the joy as well um and just find that joy and find that inner child when you're when you're performing and and get back to the reason why you wanted to dance and sing and act because that's super important and I and I can find myself getting caught up in everything else except the reason why I wanted to do it in the first place which is because I wanted to tell stories and create joy and bring joy to myself and to other people so um it was a nice reminder to sort of go back to that yeah I totally agree thank you for listening to this episode of company if you enjoyed this episode let us know on our instagram at company pod or our facebook page also feel free to leave a review on our itunes or spotify big shout out to our producing team me, David Duquetis, and our fabulous hosts, Georgia Kennedy and Tiana Catalano. Hope to see you next time.